once I finished that first race, I was hooked. I was like, this is the best thing since ever. I got to go do more of these because this is just great. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wita L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 92. Today, I have Lloyd Henry. He is a 32-time Ironman and long course finisher. And in 2016, he became the first African-American to finish an Ironman race on six continents, plus the Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii. In addition, Lloyd is a sub three-hour marathoner and has completed numerous running events from 5K to the Ultra Marathon, including Boston Marathon and a marathon in South Africa. He's been running since 2002 and coaching since 2004. Form and technique are focal points in his teaching style. He enjoys his clients experiencing that aha moment, whether it's in swimming, biking, or running. He trains people from couch to 5K to their first marathon to their first triathlon and to um, longer distance races such as 70.3 and full distance 140.6 Ironman races. He's a native of St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands. He has a B.S. in biology, a master's of science in medical science. He has a project manager certification and a MBA. He is also an avid scuba diver, snowboarder, gardener, and creation market basket weaver. Please welcome Lloyd to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So we'll just get started with what made you want to participate in endurance sports? Well, I just kind of um, fell into it. I didn't have really much of a background in endurance sports at all. But post-college and grad school, you just settle into basic living and realize that you just are out of shape. When you come to that realization, you have to either keep going down that path or do something about it. One of my siblings challenged me to getting back in shape and suggested doing a triathlon. That was kind of the starting point of going from couch potato and sedentary living to actually becoming active again. Okay. So they challenged you to a triathlon. So you went from couch to triathlon. You didn't run first or do other stuff? Nope. Just straight from couch to try. Okay. It was a, a, sprint tri- a sprint triathlon, <laughs> uh, which at first glance seemed doable. The 5K, I think it was 10 or 12 miles and then maybe about a half mile swim or something. So mm-hmm. it sounded like, oh yeah, that sounds reasonable. Um, on paper, but in reality, it was a whole lot. So did you have a background in in swimming, cycling, running, anything from childhood? Nothing to speak of. I mean, I was active as a kid, just like every other kid. I could swim. So I grew up in the islands, but the swimming we do in the islands, it's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to the beach, you splash around, you swim, you know, from the boat to land, Mm -hmm. water sports, stuff like that, but not pool swimming where you're going lap after lap (laughs) to Mm -hmm. say, you know, you have that kind of swim form or endurance. Okay. And yeah, I don't think I rode a bike since probably elementary school or high school, maybe was the last time I rode a bicycle. 
<laughs> when I had a bike, a BMX or something. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I think running probably like sometime in college, my last game of pickup basketball, where it was like, yeah, everyone else is really, really good. And you realize like your skills were only good in high school, <laughs> but not college level. Mm-hmm. So, so you're like, yeah, time to find something else, but not no running per se. So how'd you train for your sprint triathlon? Oh, man, it was just a makeshift. I got a a gym membership, found a local pool and just started to, you know, go back and forth, trying to do laps, going from one length of the pool to a full lap and then making up a routine as I went. Okay. I didn't even own a bike at the time. So I borrowed my cousin's bike. Okay. And she's <laughs> what kind of she's bike five. Um, what was I think it was a Cannondale. Okay. Um, you know, Cannondale, but it was really small. My cousin's like five one, so it was her bike from college. So she still had it. So <laughs> she pulled it out and was like, "Hey, you can use my bike." So I borrowed her bike, and I think my my running shoes were ten years old, probably. So I had to go to a run store and find a new pair of run shoes to actually go out and run because I hadn't owned a pair of running shoes since forever. Mm -hmm. So how was that first race for you after you did your you did your personal training? Yeah, it was great. I mean, like I, I went out there, I trained when I went and did the race. The swim was definitely the most challenging or, or where I felt like the most concerned. Mm-hmm. So doing the sprint, finished the swim, got out into transition. It was like, wow, you know, I, I wanted to just celebrate in transition. <laughs> like I made it through the about, swim. <laughs> yeah, it's like I made it through the swim. I don't even need to do the rest of the day. I can just hang out right here and transition and have a good time. So what all the other bikes are gone and my bike is the only one in transition. Who cares? Like, this is it. But I was like totally stumbling around in transition, exhausted from from the swim (laughs) where I I looked a hot mess to every onlooker. Like, whoa, (laughs) is that dude okay? But it was like (laughs) partly excitement, partly just total exhaustion from doing a half mile swim. And then getting on the bike, riding like, oh, yeah. And then the run, I started to be really good at running. So I passed a lot of people when it came to the run section. So all the folks who beat me out in the water, who were way in front of me on the bike, then I was starting to reel people in on the run. Once I finished that first race, I was I was hooked. I was like, this is the best thing since ever. I got to go do more of these because this is just great. Okay, so you were hooked after the first one. Hooked after the first one. I mean, it was no turning back. It was just... It, it, I mean, because it was like all the stuff you did as a kid, but now as an adult and on a on a next level. Mm-hmm. So it was just and then seeing like other adults doing it, it was like, oh, OK. You know, I, I didn't know we were out here like this. <laughs> so, yeah, it was great. And I mean, it worked with always trying to get better at something. If you have a terrible swim, you're like, oh, OK, let me improve my swim. But I had a great bike and a great mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, man, I had an amazing swim, but bike and run were terrible. So it was kind of always like that perfect combination where all three come together and you have the perfect race, which has yet to happen. It never happened after all your races? I mean, I've come close a couple of times where it's like, that's as close as it's going to get. <laughs> but but then you get transition and be like, whoa, what happened there? Yeah, that's you know? true. That's, that's another aspect of it. Yeah, it. Right, right. The the hard numbers may feel good and look good and everything came together. And you look at other part that you want to micromanage and say, oh, man, you know what? If I do this again, I can probably sh- uh, shave 20 minutes off of that day. Mm-hmm. So you're always trying to find some way where you can cut some time off. So how did you progress from this sprint to where you are now? Did you get a coach? You kind of did some research on your own to figure out how you can improve? 
Yeah. So a little bit of both. I mean, when I first did my first one, there was really no, uh, I mean, we were still doing dial up internet at that time, okay. you know, <laughs> what year was it? <laughs> oh, this was 2002, 2002. Okay. 2002. The only in- good internet you had was at your job versus at home, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> with the high speed, good stuff. There wasn't much information out there. I didn't know really anyone who was doing it. So okay. uh, at my first race, I bumped into a couple people who were also triathletes. So they started to tell me more about if you want to improve your swim, you need to look into something called total immersion because mm-hmm. your your swim was trash. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yo, OK, I mean, I mean, true. You didn't have to say it that way, but. I mean, that's true. I was kind of struggling on that swim, but I made it out. And then they also told me about things like chi running Mm -hmm. uh, to improve my run form. So once I did that first sprint distance, I I then said I want to do a half Ironman distance. So that was jumping up in in distance. So it was kind of the same thing. I figured I'd just double double my training from what I did for the the sprint distance. And that was it. It was like, okay, I survived the first one. So now you got to swim more, you got to bike more, you got to run more. Okay. So you didn't do, you didn't go from the sprint to the Olympic to the half. You went from the sprint. Yeah. The so at that time, there really weren't that many Olympic distance races okay. around. It was kind of like a lot of sprints and then, and then you'd see some halves. And I grew up in St. Croix. So that's where they had a sprint race and a half. Okay. So it was pretty much a chance for me to go home and race at home. True. So. Okay, that's nice. You know, if they had an Olympic, I I would have done an Olympic, but all they had was the sprint and the half. So once I did the sprint, I I didn't want to go back the following year and do the same sprint again. I wanted to kind of progress. Okay. Yeah. So what happened to your cousin? Did did your cousin continue to race with you? Yeah, she, um, after I got hooked into the sport, she, a few years later, she decided to try it out. She did a couple races, you know, but realized she enjoyed shorter distances versus long distances. Okay, okay. It's kind of like you have to decide as an athlete, do you want to be finished in time for breakfast, brunch, lunch, or dinner? Or or midnight. (laughs) Or or midnight, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's like, hey, so, you know, some folks are like, yo, you know, when I finish this, I want to be done by 10 o'clock so I can Mm -hmm. go home, get some brunch. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us are like, no, I want to be out there for the whole work day. I'll have my lunch out in the street, you know, while I'm riding my bike. Yeah these six, seven hours or whatever. So yeah, so she did a few sprint and Olympic distance races over the years. So what do you find the most challenging aspect of triathlons? That's a good one. It really changes for me from season to season. Mm -hmm. Some years when I first started earlier on, the swimming was really the challenge. Mm -hmm. Trying to really get comfortable in the water with all the various conditions and translating pool swimming into open water swimming, whether you're in ocean, rivers, lakes. So I think the first four or five years of doing try, the swim was the thing I thought most challenging. Mm -hmm. But I think eventually I realized that triathlon long course is really a bike race. Okay. And once I realized that, more of my time went into trying to get better at the bike. Mm-hmm. And when you spend more time riding, it seems like no matter how much time you spend riding, there's always seems like there's more and more and more you can do mm-hmm. <laughs> to get your, your power up, your wattage, that kind of stuff. So I think for the past, past four or five years now, I'd say the bike has been my biggest challenge where it's always trying to be faster and faster, but then getting off the bike in a good enough place 
where you can have a decent run. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the earlier years, I was a pretty strong runner. So I was I really loved running compared to the bike and the swim. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd spend pretty much the whole season doing more long runs and mm-hmm. long swims and an occasional long bike ride. Okay. And and it would show on race day. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah, it, it just changes. Right now, it's probably the bike. So is your favorite part still the run out of the three? The, the bike is probably my favorite part because I've spent the last four or five years now focused on it. And I haven't really focused too much on the run because I can save more time the better I am on the bike. I get off the bike and I just do some reverse calculating to say, okay, how much time, you know, left in this 17 hours and, you know, what's a comfortable pace that I can hold for the rest of this run and still get to the finish line. So, but you're pretty, pretty fast runner as far as your mirror experience. How many marathons have you run? Uh, I'm over, I'm over 30 at this point. Okay. And you qualify for Boston as well. Yeah, I've qualified for Boston maybe about a dozen times over the years. Have you run it um, a dozen times? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I I think I've run it twice, two or three times. Okay. That I've actually gone to Boston and actually uh, run it. What year? You so I think for me that uh, let's see, two thousand and six was the first time I qualified and went, okay. and then the last time I went was. Oh, whenever they just changed the rules, when they changed the time. So I want to say maybe 2018, 17 okay. or 18. So recent. Yeah, my yeah, my nieces lived in Boston. So they were like, hey, it'd be great if you came and run the ba- Boston Marathon since we live here now. So okay. I was like, OK, let me go. Let me go qualify and, and come and <laughs> <laughs> come and visit you guys that that race weekend. OK. And you run a sub three hour marathon. I have. That's impressive. I I went to the Charlevoix Marathon out in in Michigan and got a two fifty seven. In mm-hmm. I was over forty at the time. I got second and masters. Okay. So that was like my my best one of my best finishes. You know, on a podium. So I was. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even know about the masters category until that day. Okay. You know, I was. <laughs> I you know I got sub three and I was looking at the um, results and I was. I was texting everybody that I won my age group. <laughs> so my biggest excitement was like, I won my age group. This is the first time I'm going to be on the podium. And then next thing I know, I was no longer in the results as winning my age group. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Wait, hey, I know I won my age group. What's up? And then they explained that there's a master category. So, <laughs> okay, okay. so you get pulled out of your age group when you're winning either overall okay. the race or overall master's category. I got pulled out of my age group and put into just the master. So I got second overall master. So I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I guess that's... <laughs> that's better. What? <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, oh, okay. You know, I I, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, that was, I've never, you know, knew much about the, the podium before. So, you know, I just didn't know about that little nuance of it. But yeah. I got that sub three and probably going to work towards another one next year. So how do you find, I know a lot of people when they start doing triathlons, particularly if they just ran and they were running really fast, they slow down when they combine the bike and the swim, but you seem to be consistent as far as in your running. Yeah. I mean, with trying to do a run off the bike, it's a totally different animal. You know, no one really runs fast, uh, relatively speaking, on in a triathlon compared to what they do at a standalone road race. I think it's a matter of knowing what 
fast is mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, for you okay. uh, so that, you know, you kind of hit that sweet spot and then you just maintain that because everybody slows down when it comes to a triathlon run. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how much you're going to slow down. Are you going to go out? Are you going to start off at an eight minute mile because that's what you think you normally run? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to end up at a 18 minute mile because, you know, you, you can only do about, <laughs> yeah, you, you can only do that for like three yeah. or four yeah. miles and then it, it's a wrap. Or are you going to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out at a 10 or 11 minute pace and I'm going to be able to hold that for the whole marathon and, you know, go from 11 to 1130. And then now you're consistent and you're feeling strong, okay. you know, and, and just kind of being honest with what the numbers are versus what you think they are. So did you find that yourself? You're a coach, which I guess we'll come to talk about, but are uh, some trial and error. Uh, a lot of trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of trial and error. Sometimes you do your training and you're like, OK, this is what I want to do. This is what I expect. And you go out and you start to run and, and race that way and realize, like, why are the wheels on this bus falling off? Mm-hmm. So then you have to be able to look at the data and be honest, honest with yourself. Like, OK, I know what I thought, but this is what actually happened. So therefore, let me make some adjustments either in my training or in my racing to get the results that I'm looking for. And you've also done ultras as well. I have. I've done a few of them. Um, I did the. I did the JFK 50. 50 uh, or 50 miler? 50 miler. Okay. The JFK 50 miler here in the Maryland area. I've also run the Comrades Marathon in South Africa, which is a little over 50 miles, but they call it a marathon. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's their marathon is it, a 50 plus mile run starting in uh Johannesburg. Okay. Um, and then I also did a 60 mile run out in Indiana one time. So out of running, what is your your favorite distance, would you say? I would say the marathon. Yeah, the marathon is definitely my favorite distance. I'm not particularly fast in general, relatively speaking. Relatively but, speaking. Compared to most, I'm sure but, you are considered fast. <laughs> well, I, I, I say that in that like I have like one or two speeds. Mm-hmm. When I do shorter distances, it's it's not as impressive as when I do longer distances. My 5K time and my marathon time pace wise Mm -hmm. look really, really close. (laughs) So so I don't have that fast twitch response on the run where I'm going to go out and win a 5K and really put it down. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can settle into that pace and I can just hold it. So the longer and longer we go the better my average pace looks. Mm, okay. But, you know, over a 5K or a mile, you'd be like, yeah, that, <laughs> that wasn't really anything to talk about. But I do have the endurance and ability to hold it for an extended period of time. The longer we go, the better chance I have of doing better in my age group. Okay. So when did you get into coaching and how did you get into coaching? So a couple of years after I did my first try, I started to coach. It was kind of like, it, it just fell into place. Mm-hmm. So I was struggling with the swim and the run and everything just as an athlete. Mm -hmm. When I started to investigate, how do I become a better athlete? What are the tools that I need? I got exposed to total immersion swimming. And once I learned that technique for myself as an athlete, everyone who knows me knows that I'm not athletic. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, (laughs) so, you know, when I first started running and tries, it was just like, Lloyd's out here doing that. That's crazy. And then as I got better, 
it was like, okay, there must be something that you're doing because, you know, we know is what's your secret? Because we know you. Okay. They were like, it's not a natural born ability. To yeah, that's not, that's not, that's not a natural athlete right there. Like we saw you at your first couple of races where, you know, you were looking terrible. And all of a sudden now you look like all the other folks out there racing and you're looking actually good. It, it must be something. What is it? So that's why I was like, okay, I'm using chi running for my run form. I use a totally merger for my swim technique. And then it was like, okay, I've seen how you implemented it in your own workout. So why don't you show me? So mm-hmm. it, okay. my first clients were pretty much friends and family okay. who were like, your credibility of where we saw you before and where you are now, we'll actually listen and have you teach us what you know just for ourselves. Okay. 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 Because they were like, okay, we want to get healthy and, and fit and all that. And once I taught a few friends, it was they told a friend and another friend mm-hmm. and someone called and was like, yeah, I'm a friend of so-and-so. They said that you could help me get ready for this 5K. And then someone else called, hey, I heard you could help me with swimming to get me ready for a try and, and I'll pay you. Okay. Well, okay. It was like, oh, okay, sure. You know, I mean, your friends and family, you weren't charging. It was just that. But one person removed who was willing to pay, I was like, sure, okay. Once that first person came in, then it was like, okay, let me get certified in these different um, techniques so that I could better um, help. It's one thing to kind of like know a technique for yourself. And it's Mm -hmm. another to be able to properly explain it to someone else and make them good at it. So then it was a matter of getting taught on how to coach. What are you looking for? Foundations of it all and how to get people from where they are to where they want to be. Okay. So you kind of started coaching yourself and then family and friends and then a uh, second removed, I guess, friends or family and friends. And it progressed. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So uh, tell my listeners, I guess, how many full distance Ironman races do you complete? Uh, right now I've, I've finished 32 Ironman and long course uh, races. Wow. So do you have a favorite? I think probably my favorite course would be the Cozumel course. Ironman wow. Cozumel is probably my favorite of all the locations. There's a couple factors in, in there. When it comes to tries, most races are in locations that aren't necessarily great uh, and the time of year. So they're always bringing you to a location that there's nothing to do, no place to go, nothing to see. Mm-hmm. It's in the off season where nothing is going on in that town or that city. Mm-hmm. It's just triathletes coming into town with nothing to do. Whereas Cozumel, it's in November, around that Thanksgiving holiday time. There's lots to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weather's great. And then as far as the venue is concerned, it's an ocean swim, 100% visibility in the water. Mm-hmm. Most races in, in North America and other places around the world, water visibility is questionable at best. Like you're not, you're not going to see your full arm extended. You may not see the swimmer next to you. Cozumel, it's, it's salt water. So you have the buoyancy almost like if you're wearing a wetsuit, but without a wetsuit, the water is crystal clear. So you can see everything. The bike ride, the most important part about their course is that it is close to traffic. Okay. They are one of the few Ironman distance races that I've ever done where the entire bike course is close to cars. And as a cyclist, one of the things that scares everyone, I think, is being out on the road and cars driving by. You get nervous, Mm -hmm. especially at a race. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but in Cozumel, it's just you on the whole bike course, no vehicles, nothing. And then the the run course is pretty nice. The whole town comes out, supports it. And then when the race is over, you're in Cozumel. 
<laughs> so your recovery, <laughs> your recovery is probably the best recovery you're going to get where you can go sit down on a beach, relax, unwind. And if you have a support system, it's very easy for you to say, hey, let's go to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Mexico for a long weekend. I'm going to race. But then after we're going to stay and, and enjoy versus pick any other city in North America where there's a race and see if your family wants to come and hang out with you. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say, you know, <laughs> it'd be a hard sell. I won't, I won't say any city names just because, but you know, you can, you can look at the roster and say, would, would your loved ones who endured you training for six to nine months and you say, hey, why don't you come to so-and-so city with me? That doesn't sound like a fun time to them. It's more like, <laughs> you're, you're taking me to where, you know? Okay, <laughs> why? But Mexico, yeah, you go to Cozumel and you're like, oh, thank you. You, you know what? You can sign up for another race next year because, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed my recovery. So, yeah, no, Cozumel, from the swim to the, the beautiful scenery on the bike course, it being completely close to traffic, all of those kind of things, I think it's probably the, one of the best on the circuit. Season six, I will continue this segment as the doc. If you have any questions or concerns related to muscular skeletal health, please email me at running is cheaper than therapy olb at gmail.com. Send me a social media message via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or go to my website at www.weouilife.com. Click on the prompt and leave a voice message. Select messages will be aired and answered. Thank you. Do you have a worse? Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> trying to think. I can't think of any worse ones. I can't think of any worse because I think a lot of the races come with different adventures and their own personality and flavor. That's so true. it's just a matter of knowing what you want in a venue mm-hmm. and then being like, okay, this this is what I expect at this spot <laughs> okay. versus can't go to a small town and think you're going to get a big city vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have any, oh, well, <laughs> uh, yeah. So there was, there was one race that mm-hmm. the whole course was just trash. The roads were, tr- were terrible. They had a split transition. They had shuttle buses. It, it was probably the worst logistically set up event that I've ever done. And I was like, I would never let any of my clients do that event no matter what. But then I heard that they took the feedback and they supposedly made some adjustments for the future. But yeah. <laughs> okay. You're not going to say what race it is. <laughs> and I, I think I know what you're it, 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 it was the um, Tulsa race. Okay. Ironman Tulsa. Yeah. It was, you know, the worst roads I've ever seen on any race course. Like 80% of it was painted orange as warnings for bad road conditions. And everyone commented on it. The transition, you know, it was a split transition. Started at the lake one place, got on a bike, then rode down to town and then made the switch. So yeah, it was just, as I told my clients, one of two things happened. Either, either the race people never rode the course. Mm-hmm. So since they never rode the course, they didn't know how bad it was. Or someone did ride the course and thought it was still okay. Either, yeah, either one of those left me feeling like, yeah, I can't trust your judgment. Mm-hmm. So la- last year was what? What year was that? You did it in twenty one. 
Uh, let's see. That would have been. That sounds about right. So it was, I guess it was better yeah. t- this year. Here, right. Yeah. I, I did. If I did the inaugural, the okay, inaugural yeah. event. So what's on your bucket list as far as racing? Other than uh, you want to do a uh, Ironman racing all the all the ones in the North America? Is that correct? Yeah. So right now I did. I just checked off most of the ones in the in the U.S. I think I've done them all uh, that are currently listed, but there was one that was listed this year that I didn't do, but it doesn't look like it's coming back. Uh, I'm not sure how that works. Iowa had a race this year, okay, but when you look at this schedule, it doesn't look like it's coming back in 2023. Okay, you know, I'm not sure if that counts as doing all the U.S. races or not. So I'll just wait till it's completely gone, and then and then I still have. Ironman Penticton in British Columbia. Okay. Um, I did Canada already, but they moved it from Whistler back to Penticton. So mm-hmm. want to go back and, and finish that off. And then, yep, it'll be everything in North America at that point. Okay. How many? So it's, I guess it's 33 or four races in North America. My 32 includes around the world. Done, okay. I've done races on Ironman on all continents. So what else is on your bucket list as far as racing? Other than no, um, I mean, that's, that's a lot, I would say. Yeah, I'm playing with the idea. When I did uh, Ironman Lake Placid and I just did Ironman California, I bumped into some folks who have done every Ironman in the world. The world, okay. And my goal was simply just to do like the races that were there when I first started and then the ones in North America. But after having dinner with some of these guys and hearing their stories, it kind of piqued my interest as to like, hey, that might be an interesting goal to to set out for you know in the next five to six years, getting the remaining races done. And I think when I looked at it, there was probably like about 20 or 25 races left wow. globally mm-hmm. that I'd have to start doing to get all of that done. I got to think about it a little bit more. You know, it, it was kind of like in passing. And I was like, that sounds, sounds interesting, good. you know, because as fun. soon as you finish, when you finish one goal, you got to start setting some That's new goals. True. So. That's true. While this North America is wrapping up, it's like, okay, maybe go finish South America and then start working on Asia and, and Europe and slowly checking everything off. But mm-hmm. I haven't fully committed to that yet. So what made you come <laughs> up with this initial goal in the first place? It just you just progression of your goals? Like, I've done this. Let me try this. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of just... I was just doing races that fit my schedule. I think for me, it was once you get in shape with Ironman, is most people might do one a year. But for me, when you start doing an Ironman distance race, if you do like an early season race, you find yourself in great shape and nothing to do. And it's like the thought of waiting for like the whole nother year to maintain that fitness. It was just like, that's no fun. So, <laughs> so you train like, all the you time. Ba- you train all, you're basically training all the time. No, I wouldn't say I'm training, but I just, I maintain a fitness base. So I I know how much time I need in order to ramp up to get ready for any particular event and make it be enjoyable. It's not going to be a super fast time. Every, every time I race, I'm not going for speed. Okay. You know, so PR every, no, no, never, never. I think probably my philosophy has been one year on one year off. Mm -hmm. So one year would be just totally going out, having fun, doing the distances and enjoying racing. And then the following year would be, okay, let me see how fast I can go or commit that kind of time. But uh, it takes too much to try to, you know, 
peak every year for me at least got to maintain a balance between work life family everything else i found a, a good balance that works for me okay. <laughs> oh no i was just going to say so uh once i started to do a couple in a particular year it just kind of spiraled and then you noticed my first goal was to do one on every continent okay yeah I, I was like that was really the first goal was i wanted to travel every continent that had one once i check that off my list. That was like 2016. It was like, okay, now that you did that, what are you going to do now? Then I realized like, oh, you know what? I had a lot of the US races done already. Then became, okay, well, stay close to home. You can just crank out all of the US and North America races over the next few years as your goal versus traveling. I've been to a lot of places I wanted that were on my bucket list of destinations. So it wasn't like I had to travel somewhere. That's when it became, oh, let me just do all the ones right here at home and, and see what that has to offer. So what does your family, your support system say about your schedule and all these races and travel? They're good with it. <laughs> I think for them, it's really a matter of where are you going to go? And if you're going somewhere good, we'll come with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going somewhere that doesn't you know, sound appealing, we'll track you on the app and, <laughs> okay. see, and, and see you when you get home. Okay. okay. <laughs> so when I went to, when I said I was going to go do Ironman Alaska, I think I had about 10 friends who were like, yeah, yeah, we support that. We'll be right there with you. And mm-hmm. they all flew out like, yep, good choice. When I, when I said I was going to go to Texas, they're like, all right, we'll, we'll track you in the app. <laughs> so it's just balance so tell me one life lesson you learned in the midst of a race i think one of the big life lessons i learned is to just keep on going Mm -hmm. and you just never know what's right around the corner so you just got to keep on going many times when i'm racing it's like sometimes you feel like you've got nothing left and you're just like, oh, you start replaying the day in your head of what you could have done better. You should have done better. You're, you're questioning everything. You're looking at other athletes who are passing you and you start comparing yourself to mm-hmm. everyone else around you. And then you kind of have to come back and just be like, you know what? I just got to keep running my own race. I've mm-hmm. just got to keep taking one more step. Yes, it's if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So I'm the crazy person out here while everyone else is cheering. So you're not going to get too much sympathy from the crowd. Like you're already doing something out there, but it's really just kind of like keep putting one foot in front of the other, just kind of dig deep and just kind of keep going. Even when it feels terrible. I think one of the phrases I always tell my athletes and use for myself is you just have to embrace the suck. And Mm -hmm. once you do that, it becomes like, okay, you know, this is going to suck. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary throughout the day. That doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy it, but true. you just got to embrace it. And once you do that, it's like, oh, yeah, this is what I signed up for. I know what's going to come, the suffering, everything. And you're like, yeah, you can roll with it because it's like all part of your expectation. I think embracing the suck when things get difficult is probably like a capsule of one of the best things I, I figured out with from training and then taking that into life. You have an extensive background with a bachelor's in biology, a degree in medical science, project manager, MBA. So do you use all of that as far as, and do you find it helpful as when you train athletes and just in your business? Yeah, I mean, that's my background beforehand. So that's why all of my friends were like, you're an athlete now? <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is not really making much sense. But I think, um, you know, the science background, I came in really well in 
just being able to break down information and understand all the complex things and being able to explain it. Because when it comes to coaching, it's really about explaining something to someone in a way they understand. Every, everybody is different. So it's not a cookie cutter answer to give the same information. So just knowing how to explain something differently, depending on who you're talking to. But you know, the business, the MBA, the business side, project management, that all comes in, into play when you're running your own business and your own company and, and working with people. So over the years, have you had any significant injuries that cause you to be sidelined for a season or part of the season? I guess so. I don't know if it sidelined me, but it definitely slowed me down. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think in 2000 and what was it? 2019, I was riding my bike and I got into another cyclist who ran into me. We're on a small path Mm -hmm. uh, going in opposite directions. And even though I hit my brakes, we we collided. And that took me out for a little bit, a, a little bit of a broken elbow and had to wear a cast and stuff like that for a few weeks. And funny thing is that was right before I was scheduled to do uh, three Ironman races uh, that season. Okay. It sidelined me for probably like about six weeks leading into the, into taper. So it was just like, I thought my whole year was going to be done. And it was just like all the feelings of you just totally trashed my whole year (laughs) Mm -hmm. with that. But I recovered from the incident. I went to a real good doc who was into athletics. Um, So when I asked him, like, you know, will will I be able to finish these races? His response was, I don't know what your training had looked like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I was like, okay, you're my doc. (laughs) I was like, I got a broken arm here and I'm wondering if I'll be able to recover in time. I don't know if you actually even trained properly for these events. I don't know. But but yeah, so I had a cast on and then eventually I took the cast off a week or so before I went and did those races. You so. didn't you didn't take it off the dark. No, no, no. no. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. Um, hey, people. No, 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 no. I would, you know, I, I make some bad decisions, but certain ones you just like, hey, it, it is what it is. It got removed and got the therapy and all that kind of stuff. You know, like I, I, I just wasn't able to really swim for all that time leading into the race and was just kind of sitting on my trainer with my cast on like, at home, like, oh man, how is this going to work? You know, it so, but it, it worked okay. out. So part of my podcast, I have guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. You kind of talked about one just recently, but can you tell me about an obstacle that you had to overcome, whether it be racing or in life? Yeah, sure. My biggest obstacle with racing was not finishing. My first attempt at an Ironman, I got a DNF mm-hmm. and they had to drag me out of the water to rescue me. Oh, um, what race was it? Uh, th- this was Ironman Brazil back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Water was super cold. I didn't own a wetsuit, so I borrowed a friend's wetsuit and it was a sleeveless kind, but the water was freakishly cold that year. How, well, how cold was it? Oh, it, it, was, it had to be close, it, somewhere in the high 50s. So the water was cold. I did my first loop. And then by the time the second loop, the, the, the buoy wasn't anchored down properly. So it started to drift away and I went chasing the buoy, trying to get to the turn buoy. So by the time I got to the turn, the two hours and 20 minutes were done. Mm-hmm. And the, the race officials called the whole race to say that everybody's out of the water. We're good. But my folks were on land like, no, no, no. Our boy no. is still out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, someone needs to go get him. So mm-hmm. uh, they were adamant. And uh, the rescue boat came out and pulled me out of the water. Then I suffered from hypothermia, went into shock. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. 
And then just the complete embarrassment of having a DNF where it's like, Mm -hmm. man, I've told everybody I'm about to do this race Mm -hmm. and coworkers, everyone, how do you face them after you failed? It's like before that, I don't remember the last time as an adult that I failed at anything. Mm -hmm. Just kind of coming to terms with like being an adult who failed at something Mm -hmm. um, and processing that was huge. And then it it took time Mm -hmm. to really kind of work through that. But that failure probably was the best thing ever because it set me up for really figuring out what I need on any race distance that I do, Mm -hmm. being fully prepared. I'm never Mm -hmm. surprised anymore. I'm ready for it. And then as a coach, just really understanding both sides that, Mm -hmm. hey, you can be very well trained and Mm -hmm. life happens. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with it. And being able to work through that grief you have when you have a DNF Uh as an adult, when it's like, hey, (laughs) most folks in triathlon are type A or type triple A. And and they're all, (laughs) you know, well accomplished and have achieved great things in their normal life. Mm -hmm. And if you ever get a DNF or Mm -hmm. something like that, it's like it can shake your foundation of who you are. Okay. You know, I had one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, (laughs) I think I learned so much from that experience, like, okay, that I've been able to use that personally as an athlete, but then also too, in working with others when those kind of things happen, where it's like, yeah, I've been there. I totally understand where you're coming from. I can empathize with the situation Mm -hmm. and I know how to walk you through so that you don't go down that rabbit hole of despair. And never, never want to do another race ever again. Or, you know, you want to throw away your bike. That's true. But yeah, so I think for me, that was probably the biggest one coming back from that experience and learning from it. I think it's interesting as far as, I guess, our small circle of athletes and particularly long course athletes in triathlon. It's very like a small section of the world. And most people don't even know what DNF is. So, you know, you were talking about your friends and most of them are like, they think you're a badass anyway for just being out there. So they don't really care the fact that you didn't make it through the race. Other people like in the sport may know it, but overall, like your family and friends who really don't have a connection, I mean, they don't care that you didn't finish at the end of the day, but you don't think about it like that. Oh yeah. You no. Oh, it, <laughs> my people were brutally upfront with it. Like, uh-huh. They were like, look, I know you are upset about this race thingy Mm -hmm. and you Uh didn't finish. We'll give you one day to sulk and be in your feelings. (laughs) But they're like, hey, we're in South America. We're going to have fun. So you you can, you know, (laughs) we were, you know, we were coming for your race. It was just like, (laughs) oh, great. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I had like one day to kind of be like, wow, no one even cares that I'm hurt or, you know, my parents were like, they were talking to other athletes like, hey, where's the next race you guys are doing? This travel thing is so much fun. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it became like, yeah, you know what? While it may be a big thing for me, mm-hmm. everyone else was just proud of the fact that I was taking on this yeah. Herculean task, yeah. giving it a shot and was like, hey, OK, you know what? We saw lots of other people who didn't finish. OK, yeah. all right. Are you going to do another one? OK, mm-hmm. good, good. But. <laughs> in that moment, you don't process any of that. Yeah. You you are just there like, whoa, how do I explain this to myself of what did I, what could I have done differently? What part of the race went bad? What will I do differently? Was it me? Did I quit? Did I, mm-hmm. you know, all those kind of questions that can pop up in your head. That's true. So, and sometimes, I know a lot of professional athletes say they learn more 
when they lose than when they win. So it's kind of the same scenario because my DNF, I was doing to prepare for Ironman and I learned a lot and I finished the actual race. But at the time, when thinking about that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. after I processed everything, I realized, okay, I'll live another day. I didn't die. So I'll live I'm, another day. I'm pretty sure if I had finished that race, I doubt I would have done another Ironman. Mm-hmm. Okay. I probably would have been one and done. It would have been great. Maybe I would have done another one here or there, but I don't know. It was great, but it was like, eh. But I think that first one, when I came back to do my next race after that, it lit such a fire in me to Mm -hmm. never fail again that Mm -hmm. I went at it like everything I had. So I got that first one done. It was like, this is great. Now I got to do another one to do it even better than that last (laughs) one. (laughs) And then you got hooked. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I'm I'm in. I'm all in. Where where's the next venue at? Well, let me see if it's somewhere I want to go visit. So if an adult Lloyd could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? Be patient. Mm, that's hard. I'm, to I'm inherently not a patient. <laughs> I'm inherently not a patient person, even though patience has served me well in life whenever I, I am patient. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, older me would go back and, and tell younger me, eh, just be patient. Everything will come. Just be patient. Okay. That's great advice, which is hard. I'm impatient, too. So, <laughs> very. <laughs> Any last minute words of advice from my listeners? I would say if you're looking to do sports, just have fun with it. It's super competitive. There's lots of distances that you could pick from. There's tons of gear that you can get, but you don't need any of it. You can go Bare minimum with what you have. Don't worry about what everyone else is is using. Just have fun. If you take it back to the simple things of I like to swim, I like to bike, I like to run, you will have a great time. If you go down the rabbit hole of trying to have all the gear and best equipment that everyone else has, you're always going to be looking over, you know, trying to buy your way into that next speed category versus just having a good time where it was like, yeah. I enjoy doing multi-sports or I enjoy running or swimming, whatever it is. Take it back to when you were a kid and just have fun with it versus anything else. Remember, it's it's your hobby, mm-hmm. right? So your hobby should not be stressful. If your hobby True. is stressing you out, it's not a hobby. It's mm-hmm. a job. Mm-hmm. And with endurance sports, you can train anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a week, making it like a part-time job. You're not having fun with it then it's a job. If you're going to do a job, you might as well get paid. <laughs> True, instead <laughs> of paying for it. <laughs> instead of paying for it. it it's got to be fun. And again, we all define fun differently. But once you define what fun is, you have to make sure that whatever distances you're doing, whatever uh, sport you're doing, it has to be fun. Otherwise, you should just pick up a new hobby. I agree. So where can people find you, whether it be coaching or just want to follow you? Because I, I love your lives from actual races you're doing. And when you're coaching, it's very informative. You know what's going on on ground versus just looking at a tracker. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm on my website is onpointfitness.com. I'm all as well as on Instagram at onpointfitnesscoach. Either one of those two places is, is where you'd be able to find me. All my coaching services are listed on the website. Do you just coach local or do you coach people like who live in other locations? I know some coaches only do local. Lately, I have expanded outside of just local. Normally, pre-pandemic and way before that, I really focused on the local local athletes. But then probably the past five or so years, 
I start to work with athletes outside of my area. Well, thank you again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email runitischeaperthantherapyolbomahalovebrown. Again, that's runitischeaperthantherapyolbomahalovebrown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.